Turn your radio on, turn your radio on And listen to the music in the air Yes, let's see, I think I'll turn over to the loudspeaker River Radio Hello? This is only a test This radio station will remain on the air, day and night Across the Thames Valley Turn on the radio and let's have some music the word. Hello, this is Amelia Fish. I am a registered associate nutritionist and you are listening to The Reset on River Radio. This show is all about nutrition and shaking off those common myths and misconceptions around food. On today's show, I am delighted to be joined by Sophie Bertrand, who is a registered nutritionist, founder of Sophie's Healthy Kitchen, author and podcast host of Fork in Wellness. Today we are going to be chatting all about intuitive eating, how to create a non-restrictive diet whilst nourishing all of our body needs and supporting a healthy relationship with our food. If you have any questions for us today, you can message us in on Instagram at River Radio Live or email me directly at Amelia at River Radio. Sophie, I'm delighted to be joined by you. How are you today? Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm well, thank you. How are you? I'm really well, thank you. I'm super excited to be chatting with you all about really your area of expertise, which is intuitive eating. Yeah, I'm really excited as well. So we're going to start off today's show as we start all of them, which is with some factual misstatements. And we're going to be discussing these, I guess, throughout the whole show and then come back at the end for a little pop quiz and kind of to answer them for our audience, but they can play along too. Um, So the first statement that we had is there is no structure to intuitive eating. The second one, you can eat a balanced, nourishing diet and or exercise when eating intuitively. The third one, babies are great examples of intuitive eaters. Then we have there are 10 basic principles outlined in the process of intuitive eating. And our final one is becoming an intuitive eater is a process which takes time. I'm so excited to chat with you about all of these and more on today's show. Me too. I look forward to coming back to those. Great. Well, how about first of all, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey in nutrition? Yeah, so I, my background's actually in psychology. I, it's still my passion. I absolutely love psychology. Um, I did my degree at Regents University in London and then took a year out because I really didn't know where I wanted to go with it but um my special area of interest was actually eating disorders so Mm. did a little bit of traveling had a little think about what I was going to do um and through my kind of placements and research I realized the gap there was between disordered eating and nutrition education Mm. and I really wanted to fill that gap um I became more and more interested in food and diet on my travels around America and I just came, I just kind of was sat there one day and I was like, I just really want to be a nutritionist. It just kind of popped into my head and felt right. Mm. Um, so I got back from America and kind of sought out every single nutrition course I could, but quickly realized that in order mm-hmm. to be a qualified registered nutritionist, you do need to go back to do further education. So that's what I did. And I did my postgraduate in clinical nutrition and eating disorders and again, specialized my final research in eating disorder research. Um, And yeah, it kind of went on from there. And I was just really determined. And you'll know this as well. There's no 
there's no intuitive eating module Mm -hmm. when you're at university studying nutrition so I actually hadn't even heard of it and when I came out of my postgraduate and registered um as a nutritionist I was like there just has to be a way where I can support people without having them on a diet Mm -hmm. and I almost feel like I kind of invented this approach in my head but it did already exist and that's when I kind of came across intuitive eating Mm. and did my diploma in intuitive eating um, and that really became the foundation of my practice. Absolutely thank you for sharing a bit about your journey it's so interesting to hear about how you became a nutritionist and especially focused around intuitive eating now you mentioned just then a couple of terms which I think is quite important to address at the beginning of this episode um, which is disordered eating and eating disorders and when this approach might be right for you and when it might not Mm. be right right now could you explain that a little bit for us absolutely so I I mean I would go as far as saying that everyone has some kind of disordered relationship with food I Mm -hmm. I very rarely meet people who have this really easygoing relationship with food Mm -hmm. and just because you have a disordered relationship with it it's not to say you have a full-blown eating disorder if you are suffering with an eating disorder and you are incredibly underweight or overweight um, to the detriment of your health this approach might not be completely doable for you right now. Mm. Uh, That's not to say it won't be in the future, but particularly if you're very, very underweight, weight will need to be restored before you can fully adopt this approach. And I'm sure we'll talk more about it through the episode, but there are 10 principles Mm -hmm. in this approach. Um, And you might resonate with one or two of them at the beginning, but to do all 10 might seem very, very overwhelming. And that's, again... You know, if you've been in diet mentality and you've had, you know, you've got severe psychological issues around food as well, then again, you might need to work with uh, another kind of health professional, whether that be nutrition or psychological, Mm -hmm. um, to help support you along this journey as well. Absolutely. I think that was a great thing to have spoken about to begin with. Um, But to you, I guess, if someone's looking at intuitive eating, what would you say it is? So intuitive eating, there's so many misconceptions around Mm. what it is. And there's a, you know, typically you'll find someone calling them, sorry, calling the approach a non-diet approach. So you'll see maybe on Instagram, if you're in that world on social media, um, nutritionists who adopt an intuitive eating approach often refer to themselves as an anti-diet or non-diet nutritionist or dietitian. Um, But a lot of that can be misconceptions construed you know it's a lot of people think it's you eat when you're hungry and you stop when you're full Mm -hmm. there's a lot more to it than that some people think that um there's absolutely no control around it so we can eat what we want when we want and you know where is the health in that Mm -hmm. um but it is a non-diet approach in the sense that it eliminates all diets you know you should not be restricting or Um, cutting out anything or you know trying to get something out of your life because you feel like it's detrimental to your health Mm. unless obviously there is a severe medical you know yeah (laughs) Um, as long as foods are safe to eat you can eat them all yeah unless you know you're you are undergoing medical treatment for whatever reason and you do need to be on a special diet that's completely different Mm -hmm. but if you are someone who is in this really disordered relationship with food you're unhappy you constantly find yourself on a diet all the time for it not to work um 
then intuitive eating might be your answer. So basically, it's an anti-diet, non-diet approach in which it helps you to identify with your hunger signals, with your satiety signals, um, start to not see food as the enemy anymore because Mm. a lot of us fear food and have that really unhealthy relationship with it. And it actually just allows you to live a happier and healthier life and learn to love the skin you're in because we are all different sizes Mm -hmm. if you know 10 people in a room all ate the same and did the same exercise routine every week they would never ever look the same because Mm -hmm. genetically we're all different absolutely it's so true um and I think when we're thinking about it as an approach that does not include a diet well what can we talk about it as and I guess it becomes part of your lifestyle and it is a journey that you're constantly developing and learning um, about your body and as your body changes listening to those changes and adapting your diet and lifestyle to them that's another thing particularly for us women yeah um, our bodies change a lot through life you know mm-hmm. we go through puberty um we we get pregnant, we go through the menopause, we're mm-hmm. stressed and we're tired and, you know, our body's going to be changing to accommodate all of those changes in life. So mm-hmm. I've seen clients in clinic that, you know, come to me in their 40s or 50s and so when I was 22, I, I looked like this and I weighed this much and I was really happy then. Mm. And I'm thinking that you can't possibly expect your body to look exactly the same as it did when you were 22, you know? (laughs) Absolutely. It's so true. Um, So it's definitely like that kind of journey to learning your body and learning those cues that it's telling you. Mm -hmm. Great introduction to you, Sophie, and to intuitive eating as an approach. I think it's time for a song now. So we're going to play Anyone For You, Tiger Lily by George Ezra. And then we'll be coming back to chat more about the principles of intuitive eating. Across the Thames Valley. One more time. Across the Thames Valley. This, this is River Radio. Well, now for some pop music. Try this. Tiger Lily moved to the city. She just turned 21. And I said, here's my number. Hit me up if you're needing anyone. And I could be anyone, anyone, anyone.
You are listening to Amelia Fish, a registered associate nutritionist on The Reset on River Radio. You can find us across all social media platforms at River Radio Live and on the website river.radio. Today I'm joined by Sophie Bertrand, who is a registered nutritionist, founder of Sophie's Healthy Kitchen, author and podcast host of Fork in Wellness. So far, we've chatted about Sophie's journey in nutrition and to intuitive eating. Later on in the show, we're chatting all about tips on becoming an intuitive eater. But first, let's dive a little bit deeper into this area and get into the principles of intuitive eating. So Sophie, what are the principles of intuitive eating? What makes up this approach? So there are 10 principles and I will just note that they do not have to be done in this particular order. Mm -hmm. Um, it's really just a guide and a lot of people tend to resonate with a few of them, you know, more so than others, particularly when getting started. But these 10 are what makes up the approach. Mm. So shall I just reel off and go straight through? Them? Yeah, shall we Should we go through the 10, but also chat a little bit about each one as we go? Perfect. Okay, so the first one is to reject the diet mentality. And okay. I'm pretty sure we've all been in a diet mentality at some point whether Mm -hmm. that's trying to drop a dress size to fit into a certain outfit Mm -hmm. or thinking that we need to be healthier so we need to go on a diet Mm -hmm. and there's so many different reasons but yeah so rejecting that diet mentality is actually thinking about those external food rules that we Mm -hmm. have and you know it it can be something as simple as all carbs are bad Mm -hmm. or you know fat makes you fat or whatever it might be and it's actually getting to the root of those and thinking where did they come from like why do I believe this exactly and I guess a lot of those things are like external cues telling us all of those rules Mm -hmm. but why does diet mentality not work what can it lead to so many negative things um you know disordered relationship with food um it can encourage you to be very unaware of when you're actually hungry mm-hmm. and versus when you're actually satisfied or full um there is you know it can really disrupt your metabolic rate so yeah. you know I often see I used to see clients in clinic where they they'd be eating such a low calorie intake every day but they still felt they were overweight because quite literally their metabolism is adjusting to the amount of food that they're taking in so they're kind of just going around in this vicious circle Um, and quite often as well people will get to their quote-unquote goal weight Mm -hmm. and think well now what you know I've been restricting so it's such an in such an unmaintainable slash unsustainable way 
Mm. I've got to my goal weight. Do I carry on with this ridiculously restrictive, unmaintainable diet or do I keep, do I just go back to what I was eating before and then risk putting all the weight back on? So a real confusion around food and diet and health as well. It can be very, very detrimental to your health, your risk of cutting out certain nutrients as well, Mm -hmm. um, just, you know, undernourishing yourself, um, headaches, brain fog, depending on what diet you're doing or what behavior you're engaging in. um, There's very, you know, loads of different side effects. Absolutely. So it's a great one to start with chatting about rejecting that diet mentality. And I guess knowing we're so much more than a body's shape or size or a number on the scales. A hundred percent. What's our next principle? So the next one is to honour your hunger. Mm -hmm. And again, when we tend to be dieting, we're very out of tune with what Mm -hmm. hunger feels like. Um, And again, it doesn't just have to be, you know, rumbling in your tummy. There are so many other signs that you could be hungry or in need of extra energy or food such as headaches, irritability, you know, hangry really is a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, You will get that brain fog. Um, you know you might get a bit shaky Mm -hmm. Um, you know so many different things that our body might be doing to try and signal to us when we are hungry but again if we have been dieting we haven't been listening to those hunger signals we're going to be very good at blocking them out and not tuning in and listening to them so honoring your hunger is really about Mm -hmm. trying to tune back in and identify when your body is hungry and allowing it to be hungry because for some reason we've been taught that it's a real weakness to feel hunger (laughs) You can't believe it, can you? No. Like, food is so nourishing. I know, and it's our body's way of, like, looking out for us. It's like, hey, um, I'm feeling like I need a little bit of energy right now, so here's the signal I'm trying to give to you, and you're just ignoring me. Mm. And how can we tune back into those cues? That's re- that can be really difficult if you are someone who's been dieting for, you know, years or a really long time. But actually starting off by thinking okay it's been maybe four hours since I ate Mm. what how am I feeling right now you know do are there signs that I could do with some food right now because we do need to eat regularly as humans you know we a lot of us thrive on three meals a day I know that's not for everyone Mm. um but it's really just taking a step back and thinking, how am I feeling? Because no one's going to be feeling great if they haven't eaten or they're hungry. Yeah. So it's just, you know, I might get a headache or, you know, mm. you might feel, feel really irritable. It's just recognizing those kind of maybe negative feelings and thinking, oh, okay, maybe that's because I'm hungry. Yeah. And I actually think having that time to begin with as a guide thinking, you know, it's the middle of the day. Usually people are hungry around this point and you mm-hmm. and then lo- using that as a chance to look internally. Hopefully, as you follow this approach more and more and you learn more about your body, your own body cues, you don't need to use the timings. But it could be like a good stepping stone to be using them. Definitely. Yeah. Where are we next? So the next one, which is the third principle, mm-hmm. is to make peace with food. Mm-hmm. And this is really about kind of neutralizing your attitude towards food because Mm. so many of us have in our heads that like I said before maybe carbs are bad or um, greens are good and cake is really bad for me Um, and it's really just laying it all out on the table and identifying that there's no bad food you know just because you've had a piece of cake it doesn't make you a bad person it doesn't make you naughty Mm. or you know it's placing those 
really negative labels on food that what gets us into this terrible kind of vicious circle of disordered eating anyway so really kind of stripping it back not seeing food as the enemy anymore yeah I guess we kind of give food morality don't we we say it's good or bad or yeah like that's healthy or that's not healthy rather than allowing ourselves to have a varied diet which includes all food which are safe for us and I guess for me it's a lot of people have foods on their red list that they will never allow themselves to have which I guess is what this approach is trying to um, take away for people and you know what advice would you give to someone trying to have foods that previously they've stopped themselves from having because of diet mentality? Well, that's a really good question that actually brings us to our next principle, which is to challenge the food police. Mm. So the food police is that awful voice in your head. Who is telling you if you eat that cookie, you, you are a failure or you're bad or, you know, you are just a terrible person and you have no willpower, Um, which is another story in itself Mm -hmm. because, there's no such thing as willpower when it comes to dieting if you are craving a whole Mm -hmm. pack of cookies it's probably because you've been restricting them for x amount of time that's your body's biology if we're Mm -hmm. if we're telling ourselves we are not allowed something of course we're gonna not stop thinking about it Mm. until we get it yeah um so yeah challenge the food please so just start questioning that diet mentality and the rules that pop up in your head so a really good example actually is there was um, a myth going around, I think it's probably still around, but, you know, that we shouldn't eat too late at night. So we mm. shouldn't eat past eight o'clock at night. And if you actually think about that, your body, it doesn't get to eight o'clock in the evening and your body suddenly thinks, oh, it's eight o'clock now. So we'll stop metabolizing that food properly. Or, you know, mm. we won't burn that energy that we're putting into our body. We'll just store all that as fat. Yeah. Um you know, start questioning where these came from. Again, I'll go back to carbs are bad because it's such a common one. But yeah. why are carbs bad? Mm-hmm. You know, genuinely question yourself. Like, why do I believe that carbs are bad? Yeah. It might go back to, you know, your mum saying something or a diet that you've been on that told you to cut out carbs. But there's actually no research to mm-hmm. say that carbs equal weight gain. You know, excess food equals weight gain. But um, carbs are actually a really important part of a well-balanced diet. So really kind of note down what those food rules are, mm-hmm. what what that kind of devil voice is telling you, and then question it. So really challenge that yeah. way of thinking. Because the more you just allow it to have its last say, the more you will be, you know, confined to this disordered way of eating. So really do question and challenge it and keep yeah. challenging it until you can actually confidently say to that devil voice, actually, what you're talking about is complete nonsense. I'm yeah. going to have the cookie because it's one cookie. It's not going to kill me. Mm-hmm. It's not going to equal five pounds of weight gain. It's just a cookie and it tastes good. Yeah, it tastes good and I'm going to enjoy it. And yeah, ignoring yeah. those external cues, rejecting those external cues, you know, what social media has told you, what, you know, as you've grown up, what you've heard from uh people in the media or even within your closer group and instead trust yourself which can be hard but I guess that's what this approach and all of these principles are kind of trying to teach us which brings us Mm -hmm. on to the next one what's our next principle Sophie? The next one is to fill your fullness and similar to kind of honoring your hunger we have to feel and honor our fullness Mm -hmm. and start to recognize when we do feel full and again this might be quite difficult for someone who has been dieting for X amount of time but 
it's not a bad thing to feel full. A lot of no. us think when we feel that fullness, oh, you know, I've eaten too much. However, our body will be on a mission to feel full because that's when your body gets to signal, oh, no, you've had enough now. We've got enough energy in mm-hmm. our tummy. You know, we're good. Um, and there's that fine line because a lot of people will think, in my experience oh well I, I've overeaten anyway so I might as well do the full whack now and start yeah. again tomorrow all or nothing um, mentality exactly or you're kind of on the other side of it where you don't want to feel too full but then you are always craving some food because yeah. you're, you're not reaching that that level of fullness that's satisfying your body and you just mentioned a great word which I think will bring us on to our next key which is satisfaction Yeah, so the next principle is to discover the satisfaction factor. And there's actually a difference between feeling full and feeling satisfied, Mm. which again is something you'll need to work on because you can fill up on a green salad. You know, Mm -hmm. you you can feel full on a load of fruit and vegetables, but you're not going to be satisfied because you're missing really important food groups out of that, like proteins, healthy fats, carbohydrates. um, And... If you, let's say, for instance, you feel hungry, you really just want to have that cookie that's in front of you, but actually, no, you're not going to have the cookie. You're going to fill up on something else that you perceive to be more healthy. Mm -hmm. If your body really wants that cookie, you're not going to get that satisfaction out of whatever else you've chosen. So it's quite possible that you might fill up and then think, oh, well, I still really want the cookies, so I'll have that anyway. Then you're going to feel uncomfortably full. Mm-hmm. You won't feel that satisfaction because, you know, you're in quite a lot of discomfort. Whereas if you had just had the cookie, that one cookie, you probably would have felt a lot more satisfied and comfortable Absolutely. as well. Absolutely. And I guess, as you've been saying, um, we kind of have felt guilty in the past for feeling fullness. People can feel guilty for feeling satisfied at all and that's absolutely not the case because food is meant to bring us more than just nutrition it's meant to bring us enjoyment as well I completely agree and it's almost like that you know we do believe that we should be punished our body should be punished and you know food shouldn't be this wonderful enjoyable social nourishing thing whereas Mm -hmm. actually it should you know there's no shame in sitting down enjoying a pizza with your friend and having a dessert afterwards that's a really lovely experience that should be enjoyed completely and you're bringing in some feelings now which kind of nicely brings us on to principle number seven yeah so they do flow quite nicely like I said you you don't have to do them all in order but we can discuss that more at the end but the next one is to honor your feelings without using food so interestingly we've actually been taught to use food Mm. um, to comfort our emotions because you know we go to any kind of celebration whether it be a funeral which is obviously incredibly sad or a wedding which is Mm -hmm. a very happy occasion a birthday um, and there's always food there to kind of get us through that moment um and i i've had so many clients where you know they, they've had a really great day so you know let's get a pizza and have some donuts or oh i've had a really stressful day so i'm going to sit on the sofa and have a whole box of chocolates to myself mm-hmm. so we really have been taught to use food as a coping mechanism but it's actually respecting your body enough to say i think i will feel better if i just go and have a bath right now or mm-hmm. maybe call a friend or write in my journal so it's feeling out other ways that you can address your emotion because we want to feel better after doing it right you know I always say if it really is that box of chocolates that's gonna 
comfort you in that moment that's great that's allowed you can totally mm-hmm. do that but don't feel guilty after doing it that completely defeats the point of the like what you're doing right absolutely so it's saying use like food is great as one tool but maybe take the time and think is that going to make me feel better or what else might actually make me feel better right now adding those tools to your kit and can you give us some examples of things that we know you know we can use as alternatives to honor our feelings yeah definitely it might be going out and getting some fresh air going for a walk um calling a friend painting your nails reading a chapter of your favorite book putting on a playlist and doing a dance or cooking a nice meal in the kitchen mm-hmm. um you know there's so so many other things that you just have to want to um look after yourself enough and respect yourself enough to actually give yourself that option and say yeah. this is what's genuinely going to make me feel better in the moment yeah you know and afterwards as well because it's very short-lived that kind of comfort eating yeah absolutely and I guess that brings us nicely on to principle eight which I kind of do, do you feel embodies this whole approach yeah so principle eight is to respect your body mm-hmm. and really accept body diversity because like I said at the beginning we could all eat the same and we're never all going to look the same so you know I am never going to have um you know a really curvaceous you know Mm -hmm. big bum big boobs you know that's not my body type um you know I've got very long legs and I'm a bit of a straighter frame but yeah and on the flip side of that someone who's really really curvaceous is never going to have I don't know, a Kate Moss type figure, mm-hmm. you know, we, we are all so different, but society yeah. has led us to believe that there is a, a perfect body type, but actually going back through the decades, yeah. you know, we've had heroin chic, we've had really curvy, tiny waist, big bum, um, really, um, actually, you know, it was a sign of wealth back in the day, mm-hmm. the more, the, the bigger you were, the, the wealthier you were. So I think we forget actually that body types are you know the trends are changing yeah. but no, no, there's no way on the planet that all of us are ever going to be able to keep up with that no. so it's really learning to just accept that that's not reality also so many so much of what you see on social media is not reality even yeah. those people who look perfect do not look like that in real life Absolutely. you know I I um, also think like when you're just mentioning all those different body shapes that we've seen throughout the decades you know, hopefully the next one that we see is actually just an acceptance of all body types. Like that's 100%. what we should be seeing. I really hope we are going in that direction. There's, there's a lot more positive things now, um, particularly on social media. But, you know, if you are in a healthy body that does yeah. not require medical treatment or hospitalization, you're doing pretty well. Mm-hmm. Like you should be very, very grateful if you are walking around in a body that is supporting you um, you know, you're walking fine, your joints are healthy, your bones are healthy. Please don't do anything to jeopardize that. Because yeah. again, I've sadly seen so many clients where actually it's been a little bit too late and then they wish they'd appreciated their health a bit more. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, we've all got risk factors for different health and disease. So like, and they're genetic ones, which we can't change. But if we can use diet and lifestyle to support our overall health and well-being, then let's try and do that. And I think you mentioned just then social media. And, you know, it's a bit of a, sometimes can be negative, sometimes can be positive, but actually, you have control over what social media you see. 
So mm-hmm. you can control, you know, who you're following and c- create a feed of positivity. Yeah, if something's not serving you, then don't look at it. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And then we've kind of got the last two principles to go on to. Uh, so what are those? So we've got exercise and feel the difference, also known as kind of gentle movement. Mm -hmm. So that is doing a workout, moving your body, because we know there is so much research to support, you know, how powerful movement and exercise can be for our bodies. But doing your workout without drilling yourself into the ground and having your calorie watch on Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, really kind of putting your body through pain um, in order to, you know, I don't know, have that Kit Kat that you wanted. That mm. that's not what exercise should be. Right. We should be exercising to support our bone health, our joint health, our mental health. There's so many great things you can do in regards to moving that can support you and your body. And again, we're yeah. all different. So I am never going to be someone who thrives off of a hit workout. Mm-hmm. I will probably throw up before I feel that kind of <laughs> endorphin rush that everyone else seems to get doing it. But I really thrive off low impact exercise, yeah. kind of like bar strength yoga pilates um you know you might love running mm-hmm. i i don't like running i'm not a runner so really not comparing yourself to other people's yeah. exercise regime and finding something that works for you because your body feels good not because you're trying to burn calories yeah try and you know focus on your strength and endurance and flexibility absolutely couldn't agree more bringing us on to our final the, what is the final final principle of intuitive it eating? is and why and is actually, it I was going to say, I said that I have noted that, you know, you don't have to do all these in order, but I would recommend Mm. leaving this one until last, which is gentle nutrition. Because like I said before, a lot of people think that, oh, this approach is just eating what you want when you want to. What about our health and what about, you know, those that nutritional value? Only once we've ditched all these food rules. Mm -hmm. So we basically want to take our body and our mind back to basics as if we were kids again. Yeah. Because... You know, kids don't know that they would never think, oh, a cake is bad and a strawberry is good. You know, Mm -hmm. they will see that as food that they can eat. So we want to bring ourselves back to that baseline and then we can kind of really educate ourselves in regards to, okay, what foods are nutritious and are going to, we want to be looking at our plate as a whole. So have I got those protein, carbs, fats, Mm -hmm. antioxidants on my plate? Because they all work so well together. Only then are we going to feel true satisfaction, true nourishment. And we need, we need to be aware of that. We, we, we do want to educate people in regards to nutrition, but that's a lot easier to do when you haven't got all these food rules conflicting, um, you know, certain information in your head. Completely. And I think that's great. And thank you for sharing with us that. I think you've just said as well, like um, rejecting all the food rules. And I think maybe to summarize intuitive eating and the principles that we've spoken about, it is principles and we're not adding rules in. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, these these are guidelines, they're principles, they are not in no way rules. And they're going to look different for everyone, you know, just you know on the exercise one my form of exercise is going to be different to yours my version of satisfaction when I've eaten a meal is going to feel different to you Mm -hmm. so it it will very much depend on the person and your journey so far as to how you adopt these principles and decide that they can complement your relationship with food 100 percent. right I feel like we've done a lot of chatting about all of the principles and maybe let's let that sink in with our listeners uh whilst we have another song so we're about to play slide away by Miley Cyrus
Across the Thames Valley. One more time. Across the Thames Valley. This, this is River Radio. Well, now for some pop music. Try this. It's time to let it go Once upon a time 
are listening to Amelia Fish, a registered associate nutritionist on The Reset on River Radio. You can find us across social media platforms at River Radio Live and on the website river.radio. Today I am joined by Sophie Bertrand who is a registered nutritionist and founder of Sophie's Healthy Kitchen. If you've missed today's show so far and would like to catch up, do not worry as this episode will be released shortly after the live show as a podcast and can be found on all your main podcast platforms including Apple, Spotify and Google. So far we've chatted about Sophie's journey in nutrition and what the process of intuitive eating is but now we're going to get into some practical tips on how you can become an intuitive eater. So Sophie where do people start? I get this question all the time my first and biggest tip would be to throw away your scales Mm -hmm. so so many of my clients who have been to me in the past um have kind of lived their life and let the scales actually dictate their mood for the day Mm. so you know that number was actually dictating whether or not they felt good about themselves that day and i'm like it's just a number you know if you actually strip it back it really is just a number and you might think you can notice if you've gained a pound no one else is looking at you thinking yeah. oh you look you look one or two pounds heavier today um no one actually cares how much you weigh no. we're all just too worried about what we look like ourselves exactly so, yeah if you think about how much you think about yourself and then how much you think about others you're yeah. not thinking about others at all so why you, you why would they be thinking about you way. exactly yeah. and I guess on that like how you talk to yourself and how you talk to others like there's definitely a difference but you know we're kind to others but we're not kind to ourselves yeah someone um I had a podcast once and someone kind of questioned if you know you were you would be friends with yourself in regards to you know how your mind thought and the voices inside your head and that really kind of stuck with me that you you know we are we live in this body there's actually nothing we can do about it you you live in the body you've been given so yeah make make best friends with yourself and respect yourself and Mm -hmm. do not let that number on the scales determine what sort of person you are absolutely and not don't let it dictate your your mood how your attitude is towards the day it's a big step for people throwing it away I think we've chatted before as well maybe taking the first step of putting them in a cupboard or putting them out of sight as well maybe as a first step towards that yeah or at least you know if you are someone who's weighing yourself every day or multiple times a day maybe just weigh yourself once a week because I, I do yeah. understand there's that element of control and it's safety and it feels very very chaotic for some people to not weigh themselves so maybe start with cutting it down and Mm -hmm. then you can eventually feel confident enough to cut it out absolutely and then when we're putting this into practice you've mentioned a couple of times before like when we went through the principles that's the general order of them but it's different for every practitioner and for every person too yeah some people might need to start with you know that satisfaction versus fullness feeling so they might really resonate with that and think actually let me just focus on trying to satisfy my body before Mm. I do anything else. Other people might think, actually, I really do see food as the enemy. I really do need to work on rejecting that diet mentality and making peace with food before I go any further. Um, Some people might, you know, have a really unhealthy, uh, sorry, relationship with exercise and want to focus on that first. So whatever works for you, but really, you know, be true to yourself on this journey. Be Mm -hmm. really honest with what's going to work for you. Absolutely. And 
I guess an, a question that I really want to go into as well is mindful eating. It's not something that we've spoken about so much yet, but mm. I kind of feel it ties in with this approach. It do, it can really complement the approach. And yeah. actually a lot of people have stor- historically got confused with mm-hmm. both approaches. So mindful eating and intuitive eating are different things. Mindful eating can definitely complement your intuitive eating journey. And it really encourages you to drop all those distractions around food because this is my favorite example if you've ever been to the cinema and you order a great big pot of popcorn because that's what going to the cinema is all about right and you're so fixated on the movie and you've just got your hand going in and before you know it you've hit the bottom of the pot and you finish the whole thing and you you might feel guilty or feel like you you know you shouldn't have eaten the whole thing or god i didn't even realize i'd finished it that is mindless eating because mm-hmm. you are not focusing on what you're eating. If you sit down and look at your meal and really take in what's in the bowl or on the plate, look at the colors and the textures, really slow down and enjoy and be in the present moment whilst you're eating that food, it's a completely different experience. Completely. And if you want to maybe give this a go and start trying to do this, I know it's not realistic to do it with every single meal mm-hmm. because we're busy people, we're at work, you know. But um, try doing it with maybe a couple meals a week. Mm-hmm. Chew the first mouthful for 20 seconds. Yeah, You will not get to 20 seconds because that's <laughs> such a long time to chew your food for. But it really does encourage you, encourage you to identify what you're eating, the taste of it, appreciate mm-hmm. what's in your mouth and how, you know, the flavors that are in there, all these different types of things. So put your phone away. Yeah, Don't put the TV on. Maybe listen to a podcast, you know, just so you haven't got that visual distraction, but, you you know, you might not want to sit in silence whilst you're eating. And, um, yeah, it can be a completely different experience. And it's actually been research has linked it to increased food enjoyment. Mm-hmm. It helps to um, encourage you to not overeat. Mm-hmm. And like, like some, going back to some of those principles, which is honoring your hunger and then discovering what it feels like to feel satisfied honoring when your body's actually full because again if we really quickly eat on the go we're not really grasping how much food we're eating and we might eat overeat and then feel too full and we've just Mm. eaten it so quickly that we didn't even realize how much we were eating i'm sure so many listeners can relate to that quickly eating your meal and then you know 10 15 minutes later you're saying oh my goodness I'm full it just hits you doesn't it later on yeah um I also think but you know sometimes there's nothing wrong with that if you've got to run to work tomorrow in the morning we're busy people exactly it's not realistic to think that we can eat mindfully 100% of the time but it can really encourage a healthy relationship with food if we do take the time to have some mindful meals a week. Completely. And like, you know, if you're at the dinner table and you've got the TV on, you've got your phone next to you, screens are very engaging and they do take Mm. our attention away from what we're eating. And we know that later on in the day when we're thinking, oh, am I hungry? Am I not? Well, if you've been super distracted from your last meal, you don't actually have that memory of eating. Like your your brain hasn't properly formed that. So it won't be able to pull on that memory and think, oh yeah, I've eaten quite recently. Maybe I am full. You actually, you've distracted yourself. So you're more likely to then go back and eat, which is why we're coming in with the mindful eating and just paying attention to what's in front of you. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think a great question is how can we raise intuitive eaters? Oh, I love that question. I actually have an 11 month old son mm-hmm. myself um, who loves his food and I love Lovely. his relationship with food. I'm actually quite jealous of it. Um, but 
babies are intuitive they really are you know if you are breastfeeding um your baby will latch or let you know when he's he or she is hungry and always pull Mm -hmm. off when he or she is full and they're very good at regulating their own appetite so we can definitely learn a thing or two from them um they you know they're also different as well and we've all got such different palettes and again there's so much research Mm. around this you know it's often that can be influenced in pregnancy as well so like babies we are all very different we all have Mm. different food uh, preferences but what we can do for our kids is to not use that negative language around food that I personally grew up with you know I, I was taught that you know this is no you know not anything bad against my parents it's just you know they were raised like that as well but I I was taught that you know we shouldn't eat too much cake and Mm -hmm. you know cake was a treat and it's it's bad Mm. so we shouldn't have it too often and you know eat your green vegetables because they're not very nice but they're very good for you kind of thing Mm -hmm. um so really just making sure your language around food remains neutral and positive yeah um so that our our lovely little babies can keep that intuitiveness that they have around food that a lot of us adults um do not have anymore unfortunately great thank you for sharing those tips about using our neutral and positive language and like trying to reduce our use of words such as um you can have that as a treat or if you eat this you can have that and kind of things like that is great advice and hopefully we can raise a next generation of people who don't have all of the food rules Mm. well Sophie I can't believe how quickly this conversation has gone by so quickly so before we come back to those uh questions that we asked at the beginning I'm just going to ask you can you summarize what intuitive eating um I guess means to you yeah so for me it was actually really I had a very difficult relationship with food growing up um and for me now it's actually that acceptance of my relationship with food and my diet is going to look completely different to someone else's I don't have to like all the healthy foods that other people like and Uh you know I can have my way of eating that works for me I just like I do with my exercise I don't have to do a HIIT workout Mm -hmm. to be healthy um it just means having food flexibility which is another thing we didn't touch on you know sometimes we have to eat when we're not hungry because Mm -hmm. we know we're not going to be able to eat at lunchtime because we might have a meeting across lunchtime so it's allowing your is allowing yourself to nourish and nurture your body with the respect it deserves and really putting your health over your weight so Mm -hmm. prioritizing your health not your weight thank you for that Sophie and as you said there are so many more topics that we really could have discussed on today's Mm. show and um, I mean you're on social media at Sophie's Healthy Kitchen so I'm sure that people can come over and follow you if they wanted to see some of the amazing delicious recipes that you also develop yeah thank you so are you ready to come back to those questions that we started off with so the first one that we said is there is no structure to intuitive eating so there is and there isn't like Mm -hmm. we said those principles are to be used as guidelines Mm -hmm. but there's no kind of regiment in regards to what you should eat and when you should eat it that really is allowed to be decided by you brilliant the next one I said was you cannot eat a balanced nourishing diet and or exercise when eating intuitively you absolutely can do all of those things and I I personally think that's what being intuitive is because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day we do want to nourish and look after our bodies you know that we all want that we're just a little bit confused in regards Mm -hmm. to what that looks like a lot of the time so it's it's one of the best ways 
to ensure actually that you get a well-balanced variety of foods that you enjoy as well exactly trusting our bodies listening to what they need um it's a great it's a great way of following exactly those the next one we said was that babies are good examples of intuitive eaters absolutely they're the best examples (laughs) (laughs) and then there are 10 basic principles outlined in the process of intuitive eating Yes, there are. And like I said, you don't have to do them in order. You don't have to do them all at once. Intuitive eating is definitely a slow process for a lot of people. So Mm -hmm. don't feel like you have to change your way of eating overnight. It will likely take you months, if not years, depending Mm -hmm. on how long you've been in the diet mentality for. But I promise you it's, it's so worth it. Absolutely. And the final one I said was becoming an intuitive eater is a process which takes time. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Like I just yeah. said, it, it, be prepared for it to take some time, but you can definitely get there. Yeah. And would you recommend uh, reaching out to someone for support with this process? I I mean, I would, you know, doing something with support is always better, but I completely get that not everyone is in the financial position to afford someone to help them and work closely with them. So there are lots of different books that you can buy mm-hmm. to help support you. Actually, our podcast, Forking Wellness, has yeah. tons of episodes on intuitive eating. We also have a section in our book, um, Forking Wellness, about intuitive eating as well. And there's a lot of non-diet nutritionists on Instagram that you can follow as well. Completely. I think yeah, bringing in social media there at the end as well, because it is a free resource that many of us can use. And it's just about yeah. optimizing how we're going to be using it definitely yeah um I think we've got a couple of minutes just before we finish off the show and so I just wanted to address a big misconception that I often see and I think we kind of spoke about it at the beginning so I'd like to round off our show by chatting about it is that intuitive eating is a diet what do you think Mm. it's definitely not a diet because uh the word diet as well is also so confusing Mm -hmm. because to me you know a diet is the food that you eat yeah a diet is you know made up of the food that you eat but obviously throughout the years a diet is something we go on to lose weight Mm -hmm. in the eyes of Mm -hmm. you know most people so a diet tends to be something that encourages you to restrict or cut back or count Mm -hmm. um you know whether that be macros or calories or points um there's none of that in intuitive eating it really is all the flexibility is there and like I said it's really encouraging you to focus on your health and not your weight and again diets are normally you know focus on those pounds that you're putting on or losing Mm -hmm. it's all very number driven and there's absolutely no numbers included in intuitive eating completely thank you so much sophie for explaining that for us and i think just to summarize it's that language and what language we use to talk to ourselves and to others and really appreciating our bodies and our health definitely well we are now at the end of the show thank you so much sophie for joining me on the reset today it has been great chatting with you about your nutrition and intuitive eating journey Thank you for having me. Thank you. You can find Sophie on Instagram and on her website at Sophie's Healthy Kitchen um, and her podcast by and, and her podcast and book by searching for Forking Wellness. Today you've been listening to The Reset on River Radio. If you have missed the show and would like to listen again, you can find it um, re- uh, released shortly after the live show as a podcast on most podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify and Google. I'll be back the same time next week with another show. But until then, do keep on listening to River Radio as coming up next, you have Stage Door. Um, I'm going to play us out with a shot with a song called Bruises by Jordan Rakai. Enjoy and I will see you soon.
Across the Thames Valley. One more time. Across the Thames Valley. This, this is River Radio. Well, now for some pop music.